You're listening to Everyday Parents, a day in the life podcast. We share the everyday routines of parents from all kinds of families. Our episodes start with getting to know each guest's family, then go through their daily routine and wrap up with some reflective questions about parenting. I'm Jerome Cluck, a stay-at-home dad to our daughter, Charlie, and half of your hosting team. And I'm Caitlin Kirby, Jerome's wife, Charlie's mom, and your podcast co-host. On today's podcast, we are joined by Arlene, who is a dairy farmer and mother of four between the ages of eight and 17. Arlene is also the co-host of a podcast called Barnyard Language, which features real talk about running farms and raising families. So if you enjoy hearing from her, you should definitely check it out. Welcome, Arlene. Could you please tell us a little bit about your family? Sure. So my name is Arlene and I live in Eastern Ontario, Canada with my husband and our four kids. So probably by the time this comes out, they will be 17, 14, 12 and 8. We have a bunch of birthdays around the time that we're recording. So I'm if I'm second guessing myself, it's because we've got three out of four kids are upgrading over <laughs> a two week period. So there's a lot of birthdays and uh, keeping track of their ages at this time of year is a bit tricky. And we live on a dairy farm here. And it's the well, my husband is the sixth generation on this piece of property. And our kids are the seventh. So it's been in my husband's family for many generations and so we have a bunch of cows that we milk every day and in the house we also have uh we got a pandemic puppy like everyone else so we have a dog a couple of cats a rabbit who started out as a 4-h project and stayed and i think that's all the creatures most of the time so you've got plenty of company there in eastern Ontario. Yes. yeah yeah equal numbers of pets and kids and uh, lots of cows out in the barn Thinking back to your uh, experience with pregnancy and birth with their ki- your kids, is there anything significant you want to share from those experiences? Well, our four kids um, were all delivered um, at our local hospital, which is only about 10 minutes away, which I know for a lot of rural dwellers is not always the case. So that was a really positive experience for us. Being in a small town sometimes means, means you have to travel really far to deliver your babies. And so we were lucky to have local labor and delivery quite close by, which was good, especially for my third, who was born about 45 minutes after I arrived in the hospital. So that one was a little more nerve wracking than the others. But yeah, I had healthy pregnancies with all four of them. We did have a little bit of a longer break between number three and number four. So that one I said all along through that pregnancy, I feel like this one's bigger, but may, you know, time, a few more years had passed and I was just, you know, second guessing myself. And so the first three were all in that seven, eight pound range, you know, like normal baby size. And then number four was over 10 pounds and both the little uh, girl and boy newborn outfits that I had bought because we didn't find out gender with any of our kids. um, Neither of those were going to fit the baby that we had. So had to uh, send my husband home to get a sleeper out of the the drawers <laughs> that was in the three month size because yeah newborn sleepers were not going to fit our uh, our biggest last baby and what is the gender split of your kids yeah so my oldest who's 17 is a girl and then we had three boys in a row so Lucky you her. live on a- <laughs> yes <laughs> 
Yeah, we uh, we were actually our fourth was due on her birthday. So she was both hoping that the child was not born on her birthday. And I thought she was going to want a sister, but she actually was hoping that it wasn't going to be because she didn't want to share her birthday or her room um, at any point. So she got she got what she wanted <laughs> okay. on both. So you live on a dairy farm. Are there other things that you all do for income? Well, we are both able to be on the farm full time. Um, so like I said, we milk cows and we also grow crops. So we have about 700 acres of own land and then a couple hundred more that we rent from other people. And so we also grow corn and soybeans. Um, all the soybeans are sold as a cash crop and some of the corn stays to feed the cows and some of that gets sold. And then we grow lots of hay to also feed the cows on that property. But yeah, at this point, we are both able to stay home and work full time on the farm. And for many years, I was a more stay at home parent than farmer. And probably at this point, still am more parent than farmer in terms of hours a day. And my husband is more full time farmer. Um, but that that dynamic has changed over the years, you know, depending on the age and stage of kids that we had. Yeah. Are your kids all in school now? They are. Yeah. So we had everybody started school um, and here in Ontario, there's um, free government junior kindergarten and senior kindergarten. So they start school the year they turn four. So having some late in the year birthdays, three, three out of four kids started school at three and a half. Um, so they've been in school, all been in school full time for a few years. Now, during the pandemic, we also had lots of months of lockdown. So in the, I guess it was my first year where I had everybody in school full time, um, then I didn't anymore. And then I had everybody home for many months full time. So we had two separate lockdowns for multiple months of, of school. So yes, this year, everybody so far is in school. Were they doing online school during the lockdowns? Yes. Yeah. So the, the, in 2020, they, from March to June, didn't go to, didn't go to physical school and we're doing online school kind of from March break until the end of the year. And then again, the next year, um, they pushed back our spring break into April and then they never went back after that. So they were home April to June that year and did online as well. So then who are your biggest supporters in terms of like extended family and, and friends and how often do you see them? So like a lot of farm families, or I guess some farm families, I shouldn't speak for all of us, um, because we're on a multi-generational farm, that means we live very close to family. So my in-laws live across the road, which I know for some families would be uncomfortable. Some daughter-in-laws maybe <laughs> wouldn't appreciate, but in our situation, it is a really good dynamic and my father-in-law is lucky enough in his 70s to still be working on the farm with us and on a part-time basis and my mother-in-law is around a lot so especially when our kids were little she was sometimes felt like as much a parenting partner as my as my husband did and she's been a huge support to me from from day one she still is my my go-to for you know if i can't get somewhere to pick somebody up or you know, I need need some help with something. She is super willing to help, but is also really good at boundaries, which I appreciate because she's also not someone who just 
walks in the door. <laughs> well, she does sometimes, but it's okay because we have the kind of relationship where that that's that's comfortable for both of us. Um, my parents, I actually also grew up on a dairy farm and for many years said I would never marry a farmer and then did. Uh, so my parents only live uh, about 45 minute drive from here. So they're also big supporters of ours and they're retired from their farm now, but we see them quite a bit, maybe not as much now that the kids are older as when they were little, but when I had little ones and was a stay-at-home parent, there were probably once a week, I would go and hang out at my mom and dad's place, especially in the wintertime when you needed a fresh set of toys and somewhere else for the babies to, to hang out other than just in the house. Oh man, that sounds great. Yes. Yeah. It's a, we're definitely Very fortunate. Lucky. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how did you, you, you and your husband meet then? So despite the fact that we grew up less than an hour apart, we actually had to go um, to university to meet each other. So in Ontario, there's kind of one major, main university that has an agriculture program at, a, at the university level. And so I wasn't in agriculture. My degree is actually in geography, but I kind of still wanted to hang out with the farm kids. So it's a, a big university that doesn't just have agriculture, but that's where the Aggies are. So my husband was getting his ag science degree and I was there getting my arts degree. And so we met when he was finishing up, he was in his last year when I was in my first and we were friends for a while first. And then we started dating. So we were long distance for our dating relationship and then got engaged and got married a few years later. Yeah, yeah, so he beat the odds as a farmer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Arlene, is there anything else that you want to share about your background or your family? I guess the one thing that's kind of interesting about growing up on a multi-generational farm property is you kind of, and this is something we talk a lot about in our podcast, you feel a bit of a, a connection and sometimes that turns into feeling an obligation to the generations that come before you. So that's one of the things that as a farm parent, I both like and struggle with the, the feeling of, you know, my kids are lucky to be able to grow up here and, you know, to, to look at the, the legacy that's been kind of left to us, left to them, but also that sometimes feels like a burden on the days when, you know, you see how much work it is and you want, you know, we want to raise kids to be good citizens and all that kind of stuff. But also like, there's that, what if no one wants to farm or almost as scary? What if they all want to farm? <laughs> Those are uh, yeah, some of tough. the things that kind of weigh heavy on your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Like a groundedness on, on the one hand and a heaviness on the other. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear about your daily routine um so what what time do you wake up how does the day start sure so my husband usually gets up before me so i uh hear his alarm go off around four and then i uh get on a kiss on the cheek and then he goes and has breakfast and his first coffee of the day and my alarm goes off at 4 30 and he's already in the barn at that point. So we don't actually have to talk for a, f a few minutes there uh, when the day starts. So I get up at 4.30 and I'm not someone who needs to eat or do very much other than get dressed at that stage of the day. So I get up and get dressed and head out to the barn. Um, 
So we have a short commute. It's uh, just a walk across the yard, which is nice. When we first got married, we were living in a, a different house that was about a kilometer away. So that meant a drive or maybe two kilometers. Anyway, it was close enough, but not not close enough to walk. So it is nice that we live on the farm property now. So I head out to the barn and start to set equipment up for milking. So we milk in a tie stall barn, which means the cows are in stalls and as the people we move to them. So we get the milkers ready, make sure everything's connected to the bulk tank where all the milk goes. And then we move the milkers in sequence to all the cows. So we milk around 80 cows and that takes about an hour and a half, give or take. Um, so my job is prepping, which involves um, cleaning off their udders and um, making sure that they're ready for my husband to put the milkers on because he's following me down the barn. And while we're milking, we're also listening to these days Christmas music. Um, other times a year, other tunes are on the radio. There's not a lot of talking going on at that time of day, both because the equipment is loud and it's early. Once all the cows have been milked, there's the obvious cleanup that happens after that. So then we have to wash everything down, wash down the, the milk house, the bulk tank, and do the steps that are required to, to wash everything up after you use it all. And depending on the day of the week, then I might also do some work in the calf barn. Like I said, my father-in-law farms with us. And so most mornings he feeds calves. Um, but if he's away, then I will feed the babies, which requires mixing up their formula, basically, or milk replacer and giving everybody their milk and cleaning out their stalls and doing all of that work, putting in fresh straw. So I get back to the house usually in the 7 to 7.30 range. And my oldest two are in high school. And so they leave to get on the bus about 7.30. So I might see them or I might not. Um, but they have already had their showers, packed their lunches, all that kind of stuff. So might give them a high five in the doorway as they head out. And my oldest has started driving. So some days she uh, asks to borrow the vehicle. So they might drive together or they might take the bus one or the other. Then I'll come in the house, usually have a shower if I'm not going back out to the barn later in the day, and then pack the younger two kids' lunches, get them breakfast, make sure they're dressed and ready for school. So our schools are staggered because they use the same buses for both runs. So the younger two kids don't actually get on the bus until about quarter to nine. So there's a little bit of time in there for getting ready and getting them out the door. Then I'll walk out to the end of the driveway to put them on the bus. So that's not a long commute for me either. And then I'll usually take our dog for a walk at that point, give him some exercise. We have a Jack Russell, so he's got lots of energy. So we uh, go for a walk. I'll maybe play fetch with him for a bit. And then the during the day routine kind of changes a lot depending on the day. I was kind of looking at what I did this week as a as a bit of a reference to kind of figure out what do I do with all of my time. Um, so most days I'll admit I try and fit in a nap because I uh, get up early. And now that the kids are all in school, that's something I can do. So 
usually there's a nap at some point. Um, there's one morning a week where I go to a Pilates class. Um, like I said, I have a podcast. So we typically lately have had two interviews um, at some point during the week that gets scheduled in. And we try and do them during the day because both for my co-host and I, our houses are quieter during the daytime than the rest uh -huh. <laughs> the rest of the week so we try and slot in a couple of interviews and um i end up doing spending time some time on social media to promote our podcast and then try and do research on whoever we're having on so i can ask relevant questions and all that kind of stuff there's also some you know the other things that happen around the farm i'm not as involved as my husband like i said earlier but Things like extra cleaning jobs, um, going to get parts for equipment, meetings. You know, there's lots of um, meetings in terms of both farm things and I volunteer for a couple of organizations. So those things I try and schedule during the day as much as I can as well so that the evenings are free to be with the kids. The older to get home around 2.30. Um, so usually i'm around the house at that point so i can see them at that point in the day and then my number two is just in in grade nine and he just started high school so that transition has been a little bit challenging especially after two years of of covid school and not having a lot of of homework so the structure we've been trying to kind of set up like at 3 30 he and i kind of you know, he has like an hour to have some screen time and downtime, grab a snack, all that kind of stuff. And then at, at 3.30, we try and kind of meet up. And even if I'm not physically helping him with homework, just kind of hang out in the same room, answer any questions, or just kind of make sure that some homework is maybe happening. Because just asking, do you have any homework? And hearing no wasn't working out. So yeah, yeah he's trying, not trying that not alone in struggling um yes. i do education research at a university and our our students are also still feeling the impacts of i bet of covid yeah. schooling mm -hmm. uh, i went through 13 years of school and never had homework yeah <laughs> yeah i mean our elementary school really hasn't had much homework which i appreciate as a parent it does make life easier but that transition to high school has been more challenging because the homework is more open-ended too, right? It's bigger assignments. And so it's not just finish this one sheet. It's, you know, there's multiple steps and then all of a sudden there's a due date. And if you haven't done those steps, then it uh, catches up with you fast. Boy, does but it. yeah, I know uh, my daughter's applying for, for universities and um, that, you know, she, there were years there where she's they've ex canceled exams so the last time she, she's in grade 12 now and the last time she wrote an exam was the fall of grade nine so you know that transition to university i'm sure is going to be challenging too having really never written any exams i mean she will this year but yeah this is really the first first time yeah so after homework time then number three and number four they get off the bus around 4 30 ish so my eight-year-old is still at the stage where he wants to snuggle and I am going to hold on to that as long as possible. Mm -hmm. So when he gets home from school, he has a snack and snuggle time. So we hang out on the couch together and I will uh, sometimes be working on my social media stuff or, you know, maybe doing something on my phone, but uh, we, I, we try and 
stay connected for for that time after school then it seems like the evening gets away so fast <laughs> after i mean now where where i live it's it's dark by the time they get off the bus at 4 30. so um yeah the evenings even though there's a few hours in there by the time it's dark i don't want to leave the house so we we actually at this point don't have too many evening obligations my daughter does do a dance class one night a week. The the kinds of activities that my kids were in pre-COVID, some of them haven't really returned or some of them they've kind of aged out of. So at this point, we're not doing too many extracurriculars weeknight evenings, which I know is not typical for a lot of families, but for us, that's the way it is. So number two goes out to the barn and does a few chores around five o'clock. And then my daughter does barn check later in the evening but other than kind of barn stuff we don't have too many evening obligations what does dinner look like for your family so dinner typically is all of us sitting at the table at the same time which is pretty nice considering we've got teenagers um so we have actually gotten to the point where dinner can sometimes involve actual conversations and i know that for people with little kids that seems like a far off dream but everyone is actually these days sitting in their seats and mostly eating their food and sometimes even asking each other questions not always but we're working on that um but yeah we can you know ask them what happened at school and ask in creative ways so that hopefully we get an actual answer and uh yeah so dinner time is more peaceful at this stage of life than it definitely was for a very long time. So I uh, acknowledge that we're in that place right now because I know that lots of people with little kids are not there. So you will get there someday. Yeah, it's kind of a mad rush. Like one of us has to eat pretty fast to be able to then, Charlie's all done eating. So we have to take her out and deal with her. And yeah, it takes her eight seconds to eat too. Yeah, She goes exactly. from like, ravenous to completely overstuffed i'm like what even happened yes yeah, so yeah it's it's different now for sure do you do most of the cooking i do yeah my husband is is back in the barn in the, the afternoons um so yeah cooking is still pretty much my responsibility i know i should be better about getting my kids to cook more and they do kind of help some but like i said i mean that that after school time already feels rushed so sometimes it's it's easier to just do it yourself and i do try and do some prep during the day too when they're they're not around but that doesn't always happen yeah uh, Char charlie yeah. will net she takes two naps a day and it's gotten to the point where like during those naps is when i need to do the prep work to cook the meal to get ready for her when she wakes up because yeah. I can't do any of it when she's with me or awake. Yeah, so for sure. I'm like starting to cook dinner at like 9 a.m. I'm like thinking, what do I need to do to get ready? And yeah, what can like I chop up now? Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that I can just throw in the pan later. Yep. Definitely. I remember those days or having a kid strapped to my back while I was mm -hmm. <laughs> crying. I, so I would have her strapped to the front of me and it used to be a lot easier because she'd be entertained by whatever I'm doing or cutting or cooking. And then eventually her little legs grew big enough that she can kick the cutting board or the knife. And then it was just <laughs> yeah. game over. Or they start to, yeah, start to grab for it. Yep. Or yeah, she's reaching for pan handles and I'm like, all right, that's the end of this. That was a, yeah. that was a fun yeah. two months. I used um, a hiking backpack for a long time <laughs> because the 
the soft carriers were fine when they were little, but once they got big enough, I had one of those hiking backpacks on a frame. Um, and I used that both for cooking and for grocery shopping because I had those toddlers who would swivel around and grab the stuff out of the cart and start to toss stuff out. And it was, you know, before you could do online ordering. So um, I usually had at least one or two or sometimes three kids in the grocery store with me. So somebody in the hiking backpack was uh, the main <laughs> survival technique for grocery shopping. And then you could just toss snacks back over your shoulder to <laughs> like salt over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So bedtime is also one of those things that has gotten a lot easier. And, you know, in reflecting on doing this podcast, I was thinking about the chaos that it, it used to be with, with four much littler people. Um, so now this seems foreign to you with little kids, but everyone can bathe themselves. So I'm not involved in that. Although the seven-year-old, eight-year-old um, still does need help with the hair rinsing. So we were noticing that the shampoo wasn't all getting out. So his bath is still semi-supervised, um, still definitely needs reminders, but the others are on a pretty decent schedule and they, for the most part, know when they need to have their baths or showers and look after that themselves. So that's pretty exciting. Um, if my husband and I are both home at night, we alternate between reading schedules. Um, my number two and number three share room. So one of us will read with them and then the other one will read with the eight-year-old because he's in his own bedroom. Um, and then if one of us happens to be out at a meeting or something in the evening, uh, then we'll combine everybody but yeah so bedtime in terms of going to their rooms is eight we go up upstairs at 8 30 and read till probably about nine o'clock with them on the weekends we kind of skip the reading part and they can stay up a bit later but um when they actually go to sleep is a little less structured but we're also at the stage where you can just be like okay head back upstairs go back to bed <laughs> it's mostly the the eight-year-old who has to come back down and you know check in and he'll have changed his pajamas or gotten dressed into tomorrow's clothes depending what he's up to or has created something new out of lego in his bedroom and needs to come down and tell you about it so his bedtime actually seems to be the the longest these days but it doesn't require as much participation as when they were little do they Done. all have their own like devices, like phones or? Uh, yeah. So my daughter, both my daughter, like number one and number two, um, they got cell phones when they were in grade nine. So they, yeah, they both do have their own cell phones. Um, and then number three saved up a bunch of allowance and money from doing chores. Um, and he has an iPad and then kind of the family iPad has migrated mm -hmm. to to the youngest so yeah there are some devices and there's some video game stuff going on too so there's a switch and there's lots of negotiating going on about who's playing what when and there's some games you can play together and some you can't so that adds to the uh, the evening negotiations but for the most part they're actually pretty good about about taking turns are they like on their devices at night a lot? Like, does that, do you find um, that's been an issue with bedtime or not really? They aren't allowed the device. Well, my, my oldest, we've kind of 
drop that rule a bit. She's pretty responsible and she uses her cell phone as her alarm clock, that kind of stuff. Um, but the boys at this point can't have devices in their rooms. So once, once it's bedtime, then they're all downstairs. And so they're, it's not really an issue. Um, and then after they go to sleep, usually my husband's not too far behind and sometimes he even goes to bed before they do, but that's fair. He's also up really early. Um, and I tend to stay up too late. So, uh, that's a every night feeling regret about it. I wanted, it, but... I wanted to ask you almost immediately when you began talking, when you started your day, uh, what, mm -hmm. like, when do you have to go to bed to be able to pull that kind of routine in the morning? So regrettably i'm usually up till about 11 30. um hence the which, nap yeah yeah so the nap is is the essential <laughs> okay. part for me yeah <laughs> so and my my husband will often nap during the day too if, if he can fit it in um yeah so by the time the kids go to bed i mean even though i have now that they're in school i do have time to myself during the day i feel like i still kind of treat the daytime as a work day and then the evening is kind of my downtime. So then I do really crave that alone time. So, you know, I'm reading or um, sometimes I'll stay up and watch a show with my oldest. Um, that's kind of, especially with three brothers around when, uh, when she says, do you want to watch a show? Even if I'm tired, I pretty much always say yes, because that's, uh, yeah, kind of our time together. So yeah, or catching up on other things too, right? The administrative side of, of life sometimes has to happen in the evenings as well. So yeah, I'm usually 11, 11.30 before I finally go to bed. So yeah, there's not, not really enough hours of sleep in the night, but yeah, that nap helps, helps pull me through. That was one of the things I thought of when I was listening to your podcast, Barnyard Language was like, very upfront and immediately it's a very full life uh, you guys start your episodes with what's going on on the farm and i was like how ambitious are these two to then take on a podcast and then beyond that you're making time for us now uh you you seem to have been very practiced and judicious about using your time it's impressive thank you and i also acknowledge that a lot of what i'm doing now i couldn't I didn't have the capacity to do when my kids were little because in those years, like I said, I was, I was a full-time stay-at-home parent and I would take my kids to the barn, but it, I mean, it's a privilege to be able to, to do that because we weren't in a position where I had to be on the farm full-time. My, my father-in-law was younger then and we had we, and we still do have employees, but we, because I wasn't farming full time before my kids were born, there wasn't that feeling of now we have to figure out how to incorporate the kids into the farm. I did very much feel like I, you know, in Canada, you get a, a year maternity leave. So that, that first year, especially, I was like, well, I'm on maternity leave from my paid job. I was working in the city at that point. And so I, I was home on the farm but I wasn't working on the farm. And then, you know, we had another child and another one, and it was still like, well, the farm wasn't my job. And it has become more of my job as they've gotten older. But when they were little, I was lucky to be in a place where I was a parent full-time and my husband was able to, to farm full-time. And 
I didn't have to try and do it all. And I know there's lots of farm parents out there who are, and I give lots of credit to them. But yeah, that wasn't my life for a lot of years. How do weekends look different for you all in your routine? So weekends are a little different because we, at this point, have some reliable weekend help. While there are still some times that we have to work, we don't, my husband and I don't have to, to milk Saturday morning and Sunday morning. So those days we actually do get to sleep in a little bit. Some of those weekends, my daughter is working. So she takes those morning milkings or um, we have some other employees who can, can do that, but she's on, she's on the schedule every other weekend at this point. And then she has a couple of evening shifts as well, where she works on the farm um, as a paid position. And then we do have a few weekend activities. So at this stage, um, the eight-year-old is doing swimming lessons on Saturday and my 12-year-old is doing a coding program. So being in a rural area, both of those require some driving. So they're an hour in one direction and 45 minutes in the opposite direction. So we divide on those days and go in opposite directions and bring kids to different places. And yeah, then we try and fit in hopefully some play dates for the kids with their friends from school. Um, sometimes we get to church. That's a occasional thing at this point for our family. Um, my daughter and I have been taking our dog to a, a ratting course on Sundays. So we've been uh, doing some dog training with him. And then Sunday afternoon is family chore night because all the employees are we have a, a few different part-time employees, but everyone else has Sunday afternoon off. So Sunday afternoon is when all of us, um, all the kids and us do do chores together. So then Sunday night dinner and back into Monday. Here we go again. Yeah, back at it. Yeah, so I mean, farm life is both predictable and unpredictable at the same time, right? I mean, the, the cows especially are milked on a schedule so that doesn't that doesn't vary but the other stuff you know yes yeah, so, some mornings you come out to milk and you have to deal with a, a calf first and you know look after mom and get the calf moved into the calf barn all those those types of things can can change things around a little bit but yeah predictable and unpredictable at the same time You can appear as a guest on the show by going to our website, everydayparentspod.com, and following the link to the guest FAQ and application. We'd love to hear about you and your family and a day in your life. If you want to follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Everyday Parents Pod and on Twitter as Everyday Parents with a Z, if Elon hasn't banned us yet. You can find links to our social media sites in the show notes and at our website, where you can also sign up for our email newsletter. Finally, if you really like the show and want to support us and get access to some of our bonus content, all of our bonus content, nay, all of our bonus content, we have a Patreon where you can subscribe for as little as $3 a month to get video recordings of the show. Okay, well, cool. Arlene, so the back end of the podcast here, I just have a couple of three wrap-up questions, a little bigger picture. I'm going to give you all three so you can maybe ruminate on ones you don't have an answer for immediately. But what would you say has been your biggest parenting win recently? What would you say has been your biggest parenting challenge? And then what are some ways that you take to unwind 
for yourself throughout a week? You kind of gave us some of those, but. Sure. Yeah. So in the parenting win this past weekend, it was American Thanksgiving at the time that we're recording. And um, we don't have the same Thanksgiving as you guys, but um, the kids did have a day off school on the Friday. So I had looked ahead on the calendar and realized that that was going to be a semi long weekend for the kids and planned to do a weekend road trip down to the States with my daughter to start looking for a prom dress. And I actually booked a hotel. We stayed for a couple of nights and taking the time to do that in an intentional way felt like a big win because I know that we could have done it locally. You know, there's, we could have gone to some stores and probably found, found a dress a lot closer to home, but actually getting away and doing that weekend with her separate from the boys felt like a big win. Cause I know that we're coming into, you know, I'm starting to reflect on the fact that, you know, this is going to be our last year where they all have the same spring break and, She's applying to schools and in September, you know, if everything goes as her plans are, she'll be moving away from home. So trying to, to capture the moments where we can get them. And in terms of challenges, I think as my kids get older, as much as I appreciate all of the things that have changed. I mean, I've talked about, you know, mealtime is easier and bedtime is easier and all those types of things. It's also been challenging for me personally to not feel as needed. And some days that's great, you know, where I can just like walk through the house and no one is like clinging to my leg or <laughs> no one is crying. You know, there were, so with four kids, there were days where it felt like there was always someone crying or you're just going from crisis to crisis. But at the same time, you could also walk in the door and people would come running to you. And, you know, in a way, I mean, I know my kids still love me, but it's not that, it's not that obsession, right? They're not, I'm not the most important person in their day some days. You know, I think I still am. Of course, I'm still the most, but you know, you it's, it's it, yeah, yeah. It's not that overwhelming palatable love that they, you know, that they, they look at you and you're the, the center of their world. So I think it's, there are times where, where I struggle with the, you know, feeling a little bit like I'm a piece of furniture <laughs> that uh, maybe gets taken for granted a little bit. I mean, they're, they're still appreciative and, you know, they're, they're good kids, but yeah, it's, that's just kind of a, it's not even really a, a struggle with them. It's just, yeah, an internal thing that I've been processing lately. Because the identity shift at the beginning of motherhood is so stark. Like you are oh, needed yeah. <laughs> all the time. You're just like bathed in it. Mm -hmm. um, and then like the little pieces of freedom that I have been able to get back over the last year have been very refreshing. But I would imagine that then like as it keeps sort of gradually getting um, that dependence on you sort of gradually keeps shifting and changing in a way that I feel like you could almost like look up and just kind of realize like it's completely changed and you didn't realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, because that that first shift is dramatic and all of a sudden and I mean, it took years for me to 
to really come into who I was as a parent that, I mean, some people are like, you know, was going from one to two harder or two to three or, you know, what number was the hardest. And I always say it was zero to one because that, that loss of who I was before was so stark that, you know, the difference between you before and you after when there's someone who who you are solely responsible for keeping alive like that that's huge not that it's unique to to breastfeeding but i mean i was able to, lucky enough to be able to breastfeed all of my kids and there were times when that especially when they went through those phases of refusing a bottle the few times that we actually tried to leave them or or give them a bottle but we got lazy I got lazy about it right because it was like oh you know it's just easier but then you know when you would try to give them a bottle and they would refuse it and that feeling of like I am for those first six months I'm the only thing keeping this child alive and most of the time it wasn't a thought but then there would be those moments where it's like wow like this is heavy (laughs) it just feels heavy (laughs) it's exactly the word I was going to use yeah yeah I had the around six months we had a bottle refuser and I had a trip uh to Chicago that was supposed to be two nights long but I had to come home after the one night because she was still refusing the bottle we we're like oh she'll probably figure it out when I'm gone right. and she's eating yeah, yeah, she'll a little bit to, of salads right? and no no way that's what and so I was stay-at-home dad right from day one and the kid would not bottle feed so I'm like not only is this my entire world but i'm also completely helpless here so like i can't <laughs> yeah. do my job yeah when it comes to the feeding part <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah, yeah maternity leave for me was 12 weeks and then i was lucky to be able to work from home so it you know mm-hmm. it worked out but it's still like yeah an interesting shift of roles yeah Remind me of the last question. Uh, Yeah, I was just going to remind myself here. So um, what are some ways that you take time for yourself throughout a day or a week or you and your husband or? I mean, I mentioned the Pilates class and that's one thing that over the last year or so, um, I put it on the schedule and really try to, to keep it there. I mean, obviously there's lots of times that things come up, but I really genuinely try to, to block that out and, and make it a priority like the other things, because that's something exercise is one of the things that's usually easy to drop off the, the schedule. First thing, right? yeah. It's like, a, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, you know, I pre pandemic, I was a more regular gym goer and that has kind of dropped off. But um, yeah, that one class is something I try to keep. Um, I am part of a a book club, which meets once a month. And I find that 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 is a good practice in terms of both getting around other adults, because when you work from home with your spouse, you guys know this, um, sometimes days can go by where I don't see anyone except my spouse, my in-laws and my kids um, and our employees, I suppose. Um, So it's good to to kind of work those things in too, in terms of, of actually leaving the house and putting on hard pants and um, like (laughs) non-leggings. And it also forces me to read things outside of my usual, you know, like we've read a lot of books that maybe I wouldn't have picked, but I got a lot out of, so that's a good practice for me too. I do read a lot. I have started doing more uh, crafting. So I'm a 
right now it's cross-stitching because it's one of those things that is both creative and yet there's uh, a plan for it. So you don't have to think too much about it. You just look at the pattern and you make <laughs> make what's on the page. So that, that helps to keep my hands busy sometimes too. And my brain. Yeah, my mom got me into cross-stitching when I was like eight. And I loved it because I thought it was like, like, I'm like Betsy Ross, like I could create anything or, you know, yeah. And now I'm looking back, I'm like, that was a genius thing to put like a, a busy child to work at. <laughs> yeah. You should pick it up again. It's actually really therapeutic. It's she, like, she still math, gives me math on, do you, yeah. you just still get kits? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She still gives, and she'll give me finished ones. I've got a couple up in Charlie's room. I'm like this. Yeah. She's still going. I should. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I kind of go through phases. So I would I made a ton of masks during the pandemic. I uh, uh, yeah. it was actually it kind of had a little side business, and I, mm -hmm. now I'm trying to figure out what to do with all this cute fabric that I bought because it was like, oh, I need to buy the the one with the avocados on it and the one with the Schitt's Creek characters. And now I've got these bins of little bits of cute fabric. I did some quilting for a while too, but that requires a lot of getting things out and putting them away again until you have a dedicated craft space. So that's challenging. Plus with four pets, there's hair on everything. So the uh, fabric crafts are a little harder to manage right now. Uh, what about your husband? What does he do for shits? Uh, uh, well, yeah, other than sleeping, uh, <laughs> he, he is in, although he hasn't been going lately, there's a local, like a concert band, which he always says is kind of his one thing that's not farm related because we both volunteer with different organizations and, but they tend to kind of all be related to our, our interests or for him to the farm. Um, so I'm on the board of a local early years center and, um, and he sits on a couple of like a, the 4-H association mm -hmm. and, and, the local Holstein club. So like the particular breed of cows that we have. Um, so yeah, playing in the band, he plays the baritone. So it's like the, like a small tuba. Um, so playing cool. in that concert band is kind of his one non egg related activity and same thing. Yeah. Goes to see other adults who are not farmers. Um, so that's I bet he good. plays the hell out of that baritone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holds up the bass session. <laughs> Yeah, so he uh, has been a bit negligent this fall. They just got started back kind of post-COVID and hasn't been there much lately. And I asked him last week, are you going to band practice? He's like, well, there's a Christmas concert in two weeks and it's going to look like I'm just showing up to be able to play in the concert. So in the new year, he swears <laughs> he's going to get back to it. All right, yeah, that's all I got. Thank you so much. No problem. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I always almost feel bad that everybody takes time out of what they're doing to talk to us because they're all so busy. Uh, at least it certainly sounds like they're very busy. Yeah, but is that just like the capitalist society that we live in and the lack <laughs> of community around us? I mean, it doesn't take much to get me on these tracks, Jerome. Um, Listen, if time is money, then Arlene just bequeathed us with $100 million. I can't thank her enough. <laughs> well, you would frame it that way, you <laughs> capitalist. Anyways, our Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it I thought a lot of her comments were very insightful. Yeah, yeah, you can tell she has some, I don't know, 
practice speaking. <laughs> she was out. It was just very insightful. And again, part of the time, a lot of the time I'm doing this, I just end up watching you and the guest and kind of forget that I'm not just listening to a podcast. I'm also part of this program here, but <laughs> again, super uh, fascinating to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. There's something idyllic about like, you know, farm life and the whole self-contained lifestyle. She had talked on an earlier episode about, uh, I think they were talking about Christmas gifts or gift ideas. And one of the things they had said was valuable to them was experiences uh, or like, I don't know, gift cards or tickets or something like that, just to get outside of their box. And that struck me as like, you know, almost too much of a good thing because when you do hear about the kind of life they live, I'm like, man, that sounds satisfying. Um, so it was just interesting to think that you could live such a satisfying lifestyle, but of course you got to, I don't know, step outside of that every once in a while. Yeah. Arlene, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we got it Okay. in there. Okay.